Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. Well, there's a a guy I was listening to a few weeks ago. He was talking about a story that, that he had, and it was a story about this woman that was stuck in... Um, a, a high-rise apartment, and it was on fire. And she was she was in this high-rise apartment, very, very quite a few f- stories up, and she was stuck, and she was hanging out the window because uh, the flames were coming, and there, there wasn't any hope that this this woman was going to either jump or be be burnt. And a fireman turned up on the scene, and this fireman came and and got his ladder, put it up to the window, and 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 rescued this girl save this girl and she went she got down when she got down the bottom she just uh they took her the ambulance that they did what they had to do with her and, and then they let her alone and later on that night when she was at home she suddenly realized she hadn't thanked the fireman had saved her so she rang the fire station got this guy's number rang him up this fireman and uh said i just want to ring up i i just want to say thank you i never got a chance to thank you on the day that you rescued me, that you saved me. And the fireman says, look, that's just my job, I, I, I love that. But he says, uh, how about we exchange numbers and maybe we can go out and have dinner? He, he took his opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, long story short, they went out, they had dinner, uh, of course, struck it off, and uh, got married, had kids, Fell, fell in love with each other in, in a really huge way. And the story was a simple story. But the reality of her, she knew that this fireman had saved her from certain death. She knew without this fireman, she was not going to live. And I'd, I'd like to say the same with us, with, with our Savior. Do we realize that we were doomed for certain death without our Savior? But he turned up with a ladder and saved us. Do we realize that? Do we realize that? Come on, are you excited about that? <laughs> certain death, and this guy turns up Jesus and saves us for certain death. But more than just a savior, because some of us get stuck on this thought that he's our savior, which he is. But he's not just our savior. Then through this process of her getting to know this man, he became her friend. Is he your saviour this morning? Yes. Is he your friend this morning? Yes. Next question. And man, this might sound a bit funny, but is, is God your husband this morning? We get a bit weird about that, but, 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 but is, he, is he your closest confidant this morning? Is that Jesus? And the next thing, and men, we don't like this either, is he your lover this morning? Because somewhere along that process, we get stuck. Where he's our savior. Sure, we can believe he's our savior because you know when he saves you from something, he's great, we, we get to offload all this stuff and we get set free. But then after that, do you spend the time with him to get to know him? And is, is he your friend? And then even, even more than that, is, is he actually your husband? If you're married, okay, you lean over to your wife and men, maybe it's your wife instead of a husband, let's call it that. 
but you lean over to your wife because you want to get close and intimate with your wife. Is, is that the God we serve? Is that your relationship with the God we serve? Yes? Awesome, Tim. Is that your relationship with him today? Because I feel if we know that's our relationship with him, then we're going to want to spend time with him. And, and the, the, the title of my message this morning is, is The Power of Worship. And if, if we come to that place where we know him and that, that intimately, we just, we just sang about him this morning. Wouldn't you want to worship him? To love him and, and worship him not because we want to get something, but worship him just because of who he is. He is such a good God. And if, if we can get to that place where our relationship is that intimate with him, then we really get to know our Savior. Are you there this morning? Or do you think you're on the pathway of getting there this morning? Because I'm, I'm probably not there either, but I'm, I'm hopefully I'm on the pathway of getting to that place. So there's a man in the Bible called, his, his name was David. And he was the king of Israel. He's being persecuted. He's getting chased all around. The king that was in charge at the time wanted to kill him. And in Psalm 63, verses 1 to 7, he says, You are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. He's in the desert, so he's not just saying I thirst for water. He's saying I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and the temple they had back in those days and beheld your power and your glory. Isn't that amazing? Even back then we think about that they didn't have power and glory, but back in the Old Testament that this man had seen God's power and glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. He knew how to worship you, even in the desert. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I'll be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. See, David was a worshipper even in the desert. I don't know where you're at this morning. And what's your reason that you're not worshipping fully, 100% this morning? My question is, what is your desert place that's stopping you stepping into the worship that God really has intended you to be? Because you know, we were designed for worship in the beginning. We're made in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. We were made to worship God. So that's one of our, our primary reasons for, for being alive. And how much do we worship our God? And I'm not just talking about singing. Singing's great here this morning. And, and I, I tried, Mark, I went up the back. I tried to get a tambourine. I couldn't find one. And, and I, was, I was tent to kneel out to try and find a flag out the back. And I couldn't find a flag. Because if you know me, I do not like tambourines and I don't like flags. But I thought, hey, this morning, I'm going to worship with a tambourine and a flag. I'm going to step out of a place where I'm comfortable and I want to step into a place where I was uncomfortable. Yeah, what a shame, yeah. yeah. But you know what? I would have picked someone else out of the crowd to do it. <laughs> someone who can dance. Like Dion. <laughs> you know, if worship was so important, shouldn't there be a cost to our worship? Shouldn't be there cost? Even when we come here in this morning, shouldn't it cost us with maybe shouting a bit louder or, or 
doing something to get out of our comfort zone as we worship our God? You know, do you, do you have respect for someone? If, if someone always turned up to your house and they turned up and they bought nothing and they expected you to feed them, or when you go out to, for a coffee with someone and they always hang back at the table and they let you get there first to the machine and, and pay first. Actually, it's not like that here because we always have a fight to see who can get to the machine. There's always a, a challenge so you can get their card on the machine first. But if, if someone had turned up to your house, always wanted to get something, what sort of a friend would that person be? And yet we turn up quite often, not you because you don't do that, but in other churches they do. They turn up just wanting to get something all the time. And I wonder if what happened if we turned up wanting to give something in church, coming prepared before we even got here, getting prepared to give something because if you're going to go and pay for someone's meal, you've got to make sure there's money in your account to pay for that meal. Wouldn't it be great if we all turned up ready to, to, to give something to God this morning? I wonder what would happen in our services if we all turned up like that. I wonder what God would do. He would be so happy with us. He's happy with us anyway. But I wonder what would do to our hearts as we open up our hearts to him and give everything to him. I, um, I turned on something, must have been social media, and there was a clip of an old Beatles concert. And it had all the girls at the stage, you know, screaming uncontrollably, weeping profusely, throwing things on the stage. They put, shouldn't, probably shouldn't have been throwing things on the stage. You don't you laugh, you two. Um, and, you know, I went back in time to the Beatles because I was young enough to see the, the start of the Beatles or the end of the Beatles. And, you know, watching the, the girls just go crazy, weeping in tears, camping out on sidewalks and, and you probably still nowadays early to try and get tickets to get to the show, making sure you're the first in line so you've got the best seats in the show. What would happen if we were first at the door on Sunday morning, waiting to get in? Waiting to get in. We were here early, wanting to get the best seat, getting here early, getting ready to pray, getting ready to praise, getting to worship our God. What's the cost? I, I don't expect women to be on the front crying profusely, and maybe, maybe they can if they want to. Maybe the guys should too. Actually, guys, I was really impressed at camp. I love to see men with tears. I love to see the honesty. When men are actually offloading something, God's messing you up a bit so he can reorganize you and put you back together whole. But it's quite often we don't, let us God, we don't let God mess us up a little bit because, and we get stuck in where we are. Maybe it's time to be vulnerable and open towards him. Now, a worship is an outward display of an inward belief. And at prayer meeting last Tuesday, AM and PM, we felt to worship over certain areas and, and the word was, came out was trailblazers and spot fires. And we worshipped over some people's situations. And we expect God to come and to, to set us on fire, but maybe we need to worship and start a spot fire ourselves. See, can I ask you a question? When you worship God, do you want to bless Him? Is that your primary motive? And how hungry are you for His presence? And I'm not just talking in church. Now, I read a story last week about a woman who who washed Jesus' feet with her hair, his, her hair. And I'd like to read that out this morning. It comes from Luke 7, 37 to 39. 
and read 48 as well. It says, Jesus was anointed by, by, this, by this sinful woman. And the story goes, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table, and a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So he came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her, hair, with her tears, and then she wiped him with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And then in verse 48, Jesus says, then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And she had, she had, see, she had breakthrough in her worship. So the first thing, she broke through the norms. She turns up at a Pharisee's house. This Pharisee had probably asked Jesus into his house because this Pharisee wanted to prove that Jesus was wrong, probably. We don't know that for sure, but probably he wanted to have a debate to say, look, I, I know more than you. And so there could have been tension in the air. And if you know anything about Jewish history, the, the, the Pharisees did not want to touch any unclean thing. And he's got this, he's got his, in the house where he's asked Jesus to come in and he's debating Jesus about what he thought. And in the midst of this scenario, a woman comes through the door. Can you imagine the scene? She does not say a word. She comes and she's crying profusely. She gets down on her knees before Jesus and starts to get her hair and, and, and washes his feet with her tears. The Pharisee's probably sitting there thinking, who is this woman, this crazy woman? How dare, and he's probably saying, how dare a sinful woman come into my house? And there's Jesus just sitting there quietly and she gets the jar of oil and pours it over his head and, and pours it all over his feet. And if you know the story, he was going to get crucified a short time later and, and it it was almost anointing him for, for the burial. She probably didn't, I don't know whether she knows, she wouldn't have known that, but what she was doing. And the Pharisee probably sat there indignant, who is this woman? And that Jesus sits there quietly. See, she could have been in trouble. A sinner going into this clean house of a Pharisee, she broke down the norms of the day because she had to worship Jesus. She had to do something for Jesus. And this is before he even died for anyone's sins. She just, she loved Jesus. And, and, and there's four, four times this is mentioned across the Gospels. And scholars can say this could have been two women or one woman, but whichever one it was, if it was Mary, she'd, been, she'd had demons cast out of her. She'd been set free and she, she had a new life. And so she was, it was, could have been her coming to say, look, I'm going to pour out the best on this man that set me free. See, it cost to worship Jesus. Second thought. She wanted nothing. It was just all about showing her appreciation and respect for Jesus. Once again, I wonder how much we, how much we realize that he's canceled out the debt of our past and give us, given us a new future. A new future. And can I ask, is, is you worship, do you ever ask this question when you come to church? Am I being too generous in my worship? Has anyone ever done that? Am I being too generous in my worship? It's funny, isn't it? It's funny how as Christians, we live on this line 
that's just enough. And I wonder if the cap we put on ourselves is the cap that we put on ourselves and it limits to what God does in our life. Because we do just enough. But I wonder if we took the cap off and we asked it, instead of asking ourselves, am I, am I, can I go here? Maybe we're saying, gee God, am I exceeding the limits this morning? Am I going crazy this morning? Or maybe out in the workplace, when I'm talking, am I exceeding the limits? Am I getting so emotional about my God? Am I loving my God so much that people just see it in me because I'm letting it out? Or do we hold it in? Am I just doing what's required to fulfill my basic level of commitment? This woman was extravagant. She showed surrender. She showed, she showed service. And she showed sacrifice. And I can't help but think, and if you want to write this down, adoration follows appreciation. If you haven't got any adoration to God, then I, I'd suggest you start to stop and think, God, write it down, just as Emily did this morning. Write it down. God, what am I appreciative? What have you done for me? <laughs> she was not just after a hundredfold return. She couldn't have cared less what happened. And we know we preach this thing. If you give God something, there's a harvest that could, could come in, a hundredfold return. She couldn't have cared less about the hundredfold return. She just wanted to worship Jesus. King David, as I said before, the Ark of the Covenant, which carried the, which was a, carried the um, Ten Commandments, was a representation of the power and the authority of God for Israel and his presence. It's coming back to Israel. And it was in a tent. And in 2 Samuel 24, 24, it says, But the king replied, which was David, replied to Aruna, No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Because this king had built himself a house. And we've been going through Haggai, how the people in Haggai had built themselves houses, but King David had as well. He'd built a house for himself. And yet the Ark of the Covenant was stuck in a tent. And he goes, goes to try and build a, a covering or a house for the, for the Ark of the Covenant. And he goes to Aruna and Aruna says, I'm going to give, give you the land. And he says, I am not going to take this for, for, for nothing. This is going to cost me something. If I'm going to worship my God, it's going to cost me something. And so he buys the land and builds a covering for the ark. See, his worship wasn't cheap, it was expensive. The act of the woman I spoke about was not about to find salvation, but it was the fact that salvation had found her. There's another couple of examples. There's Hannah in the Bible, and she, she, wanted, a, she wanted a child, and so she's, she's gone to the temple, and she's weeping uncontrollably and, and worshipping God even in her pain. And Eli the priest comes out and meets her and says, Are you drunk? Are you drunk? Now people, if, if, if the priest had walked in here this morning, would he have said to each one of you, Are you drunk in your worship? Would he, would he couldn't discern the difference between being drunk and being in worship? Not having a go. There's, there's Michael. King David, yet again, is, is bringing the ark back into Jerusalem. And we all know the story, or many of us know the story. And her wife's looking out through the window and sees her husband dancing before the ark. And all he's got is his undergarments on. He's been dancing so profusely that he, he's just, all the other garments have gone. And he's just got his undergarments and he's worshipping before his God. 
We won't do that in here. Thank you very much. <laughs> but he just couldn't help himself. So what happened to that woman I was talking about in Luke chapter 7, 44 to 50? It says, this is Jesus. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, which was a Pharisee, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown, but whoever has been given little, loves little. I wonder what breakthroughs we've missed out because our worship wasn't full on. I wonder what we're missing out on our lives and we're expecting God to move on. I wonder if our worship was extravagant in our lifestyle to Jesus. I wonder what breakthroughs we would have in her life because this woman, what did Jesus say? Before he even died on the cross, your sins are forgiven. And I wonder what would happen if we worshipped like that in our lifestyle. What breakthroughs we would have in our life. What our perspectives would change. How we would live differently if we really knew what it was like to live a lifestyle of worship. And maybe it starts in here as we worship our God. Because the other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You know, one day we're going to realize what we've been forgiven from and how free we actually are. John Piper says, Truth without emotion produces dead orthodoxy in a church full of artificial admirers. On the other hand, emotion without truth produces empty frenzy and cultivates shallow people who refuse the discipline of rigorous thought. But true worshippers come from people who are deeply emotional and who love deep, sound doctrine. Strong affections for God rooted in truth are the bone and marrow of biblical worship. See, worship is not dictated by a place, it is dictated by heart. It comes from the heart. See, the temple was going to be destroyed by Jesus. The, the veil was going to be torn in two. And there was this temple where they used to come and worship God. And Jesus dies on the cross and he took, can you imagine he took a little bit of that temple where the Holy Spirit dwelt and he took it out and he put it in each one of you and me as we give our lives to Jesus, as we're dead to ourselves and alive in Christ, as a little bit of that temple comes in us. So can you imagine that just as they came to worship Jesus or worship God at the temple, should we not be using that little bit of temple that's in us to worship God? Shouldn't that be part of our responsibility to worship God? Because the temp, part of that temple lives in us. And it's not just in a place, it's wherever we go. In John 4, chapter 20 to 24, Jesus was in Samaria and speaking to this Samaritan woman. And she said, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. If you know, the Jews hated the Samaritans and the Samaritans hated the Jews. And she says, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, and it's amazing once again that Jesus is even speaking to a Samaritan woman because 
It shows his love and acceptance for everybody. Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Once again, there'd be a split, a split between the Samaritans and the Jews. They worshipped in different places. The Samaritans had actually corrupted their worship and started to worship pagan gods and let rituals come into their worship. And Jesus was saying, it doesn't matter where we worship, whether you worship on your mountain or on my mountain, it doesn't matter. But you've got to worship in spirit and truth. So to worship in spirit, if I said that to you, what would you think? Because Jesus is saying to worship him in spirit and in truth. So what does it mean to worship God in spirit? Does it, ma- does it, does it mean to let our, our spirits our spirits and what we're really feeling let, let, let out? To be honest. To be honest towards God in our worship. Not to fake it, but to be honest in our worship. To, be, to express what we're feeling in our worship. And maybe if we're in a really bad spot, we just choose to worship God anyway because God takes our sacrifice of praise even when we don't feel like it and we worship him. We don't just have to sit here under anointed song. I know we can't play Mary Had a Little Lamb or ACDC or... We've got to sing some songs that introduce worship. But let me tell you, you can find God in so many places. You can find God where your spirit is. See, God is spirit, so we can worship God whenever and wherever he is there. And he is there with us all the time. Can I I encourage you this morning? do, Do we worship with our mouths differently in church than we do at home? Do we worship with our mouths differently in church than we do in our workplace? Is the same words coming out in church are the same words that come out in the rest of our life? Is our worship that we bring here exactly the same worship that we bring everywhere else? Is the worship that we bring with our hands the same here as, as everywhere else? With our heart, is the worship the same? Is it just as it's honest here, is it honest outside? Is our worship to God something we carry with us? A little temple inside of us, wherever we go, that worship is there. Do we worship God also in spirit, but also in truth? And this might seem counterintuitive, but worship God because we know he is real. We know he is Lord. We've studied his word. We know his plans and precepts. They're in here. They're in here. And we worship from a place that we know God. As much as our little minds can take, we know God. Not hiding our emotions, not putting on a show, truthful. Being, actually believing what we're singing, singing. You know, Jesus says, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. When we come to him, are we truthful? 
and do we have life in our worship? Webster's, Webster's Collegiate Dictionary defines extravagant, and I believe in extravagant worship. Extravagant as exceeding the limits of reason. When's the last time you exceeded the limits of reason in your worship? Has anyone ever done that? I think I, I, I've, I've actually done that a couple of times. Come on, has anyone ever done that? I have, yeah. Serena has. Anyone else? Yeah. I, I can remember being in, in meetings, as I've said before, where I'm totally lost. And I open my eyes and there's no one in the joint. I'm the only one left there. Because I just had to worship Jesus. Whether it's extravagant or not, I don't know. But I, I just wanted to, I wanted him more. And, and I actually heard people leaving and I thought, I'm not moving from this place. I, I don't want to move because I, I, I want to worship him first of all, but I needed him. I recognized my need for him and I wasn't going to miss it. So I just stayed and stayed and stayed. I don't know if you've been to that place before. Extravagant, exceeding the limits of reason, lacking in moderation, balance and restraint, extremely or excessively elaborate, spend, spending much more than is necessary, profusely lavish. Can we use those words around our worship to God and our praise to God? You know, we, we, we do the, the gospel two-step where we, you know, do the, well, not two-step, what it is, actually the gospel two-step where you went like this, wasn't it? Um, and we've all been through those eras where we fall into this, this trap where, hey, we can do that because everyone else is doing it. Well, can I ask you, when was the last time that you broke the norm? When was the last time? Do, do you ever have that in church sometimes where you just want to do something and you're just too scared because the person next to you is going to ridicule you? Can I encourage you? Don't worry. Don't care. I don't care. Maybe if we had 10 tambourines, I might. <laughs> See, God's doing a new thing. We don't have to bring back tambourines. That's right. Yes. See, he wants us to worship once again. The hour is coming and is already here and the team can come up. When the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. Can I encourage you? I don't know what your private worship looks like at home. I don't know what your private praise looks like at home. But can I encourage you, praise and worship at home, not just here. Because what you do at home, it's like the spotlight is going to come or the magnifying glass is going to be put on what you bring at home and it's going to come out here. Can I encourage you, if during the week there is no praise, there is no worship to God at all, when you get here, you're going to be starting off, it's like you're a runner and you haven't warmed up. You're going to come in and you're going to be dry you're not going to know how to worship or want to worship. But when you come in and you've been worshiping all morning, praising God all morning, when you come in here, it explodes out of your heart. Maybe, and I watch a bit of social media, maybe social media needs to be shut off a little bit. Maybe those things in your life that, that are spending so much time need to be shut off a little bit. Maybe for me too, it's, it's my gardening. I like looking after my garden. 
Maybe that needs to be shut down a bit and maybe I need to spend a bit more time in praise and worship to my God. I love reading the Bible. I, lo- I love finding out what he, how to live this life well. But if you're like me, I love those intimate moments where I praise and worship God and I feel his presence, especially when I'm on my own. When I don't have to be whipped up by a bloke playing the piano, I'm just on my own and I feel his presence on me. There's times when you're driving in your car and and you you start worshipping and the tears start running down your cheeks. I love those moments. There's times when when you're worshipping and somebody's face jumps into your your mindset and so you ring them up and and something something has happened in their day and they need encouragement and God's spoken to you because you're worshipping. Or those moments when you meet someone and a scripture jumps into your heart and you say, look, I feel this is for you and it's just for them. Because you've spent time in his presence and you're communicating to him and he communicates back to you. I don't know what your walk is like, but I want to walk with Jesus. I just don't want to run and try and catch up with him all the time. I want to walk with him and have him walk with me. And I know that comes from our praise and worship, our prayer and our reading the Bible, but praise and worship this morning. I hope I've encouraged you today that it's not just what we get from our worship, it's what we give. And it's amazing when you give what God gives back to you. Because He is an extravagant God. He is a lavish God. He is a God that does not hold back. He's a God that has chosen to come into covenant with us. And can we step into our side of the covenant with Him this morning? I don't know if we've got a song to sing. I don't know what we can do. But can I encourage you all? Can we worship Him? Maybe in a way we haven't before. It might feel strange but I can guarantee something will change, something will shift in your life as you do. And you'll leave that worship time different than when you started. I said when I first got up that God wants to mess you up so he can put you back together. And some of us, and I'm going to close my eyes so I'm not catching anyone's eyes at all. But we're all messed up in some way. Some of us are messed up from what life has thrown at us. Some have been messed up by friends and parents, by workmates. Some of us are messed up because of church. And we've all come here with, with, we can sit here and we can say, "I'm, I'm struggling with this because of this, 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 and this, and this. But can I encourage you to leave all that behind? And when you come to God, just worship Him for who He is. Worship Him because He's true. Worship Him because He's your Savior. Worship Him because He's your friend. Worship Him because He's your husband or your wife. Worship Him because He loves you so, so much. And love Him back. So God, Lord, I pray for everyone here. And Lord, I just...
I don't want to pray a prayer, Lord, where we're going to get. I just want to pray a prayer that, Lord, open our eyes to be able to give more to you. Because I know when we give our praise and worship to you, it changes things in our lives. And the things we really want to get, Lord, just just come naturally because we've praised and worshipped you and honoured you, Lord. So God, Lord, I honour you this morning. I honour you this morning. I choose to worship you. I don't know if, if, if we've got a song to sing, team. I'd love to sing a song, and I don't know what you want to do this morning. If you sit in your seat, you can. If you want to come out the front, you can. But I just want us to worship at least one song before we carry on with the rest of our service. And maybe the breakthrough that you need will happen after you submit yourself and worship. Worship to your King. Worship to your King this morning. Thank you, God. Let's stand this morning. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.